0: Welcome back to the Still Figuring It Out podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Sigmund, and it is a joy and a pleasure to be able to share with you this conversation that I had with a wonderful person named Janet Spake. Janet is just one of those people that when you meet her, you just realize that she just gives off this aura of joy and positivity um, and so it was such a, a, a wonderful thing for me to sit down with Janet to hear her share uh, a little bit about her story, a little bit about her journey. And if you are just joining us, if you're new to the podcast, I wanted to let you know uh, the last podcast we did, I interviewed my friend Brandon, who is a professional runner, who is a um, a competitive athlete, and he was sharing his journey to almost making it to uh, the Olympics this year, and he's he's still uh, he's still working on it. and he's he's an inspiring person because not just because of his running, but what he has learned about being, um, a person uh, about being a human being and that's kind of how I feel about Janet as well it's it, it's almost like what I'm what I'm learning from these remarkable people it doesn't necessarily matter as much what your thing is it's the way in which you do it for Janet she what uh, was a nurse and then became a teacher of of nurses and so throughout her career and throughout her, her time in her, her jobs and doing these different things. It wasn't so much about the job, but the way in which she did each thing with care, seeing each person, um, and seeing the good in each person and in our surroundings. So I'm, I'm really excited to share this conversation with, with you. Um, she's just such an uplifting person and reminds us about all of the good that is um, around us every day. We can always focus on the bad. It's easy to get down and to to kind of get down in the dumps and think about all the things that are going wrong. But Janet reminds us to actually stop and look at all of the good. So just a couple little things I just want to remind you. I do have um, an audio book now on Audible called meditations from the mount and i would love it if you check that out because as part of that book i also have my songs from the mount which are 16 songs that come straight out of matthew's chap matthew the gospel of matthew uh, the chapter five six and seven which is jesus's sermon on the mount i believe these words have so much wisdom for us for all of us who are still trying to figure it out there is some words of wisdom there that I sing about and I talk about. And what I invite us all to do is to really try out those words uh, with our lives. So and I, again, I'm going to remind you that my, my band Seeking Gravity, we've put out two singles now, Soul Show and Warfare Within. And I have to tell you, uh, sneak peek preview, I just listened to the first mix of our third Uh, single that's going to be coming out very soon it's called magic and i'm really really excited about that one when we played our uh first live gig recently the the crowd really loved that song magic so i'm really excited to be able to share that song with everyone now get ready to experience the joy that is janet spake Okay, well, uh, thank you so much for being willing to sit and talk with me. Um, we we jokingly, but also seriously, uh, refer to you as Saint Janet at the Faith Bridge sometimes because uh, we just see how much you do uh, in the community and in our church, and we just are so grateful to have you as as one of our lay leaders and and involved in so many different ministries and different things, and uh, you've just been a, a real inspiration. In my life and I thought you know this would be a wonderful opportunity to to kind of highlight your your voice and some of the things that you can teach us and so that more people can can get to know uh, you. So thank you so much for sitting here. Um, So maybe you could start by by sharing a little bit about um, your career and what what you did uh, for a living and, and What brought you to that, and and maybe some of the things that you enjoyed um, about that?
1: It's pretty humbling to be able to share about my life. Um, I graduated from a diploma program in uh, Marshalltown, Iowa, uh, in nursing. And that used to be how all the nursing programs were, that you, you did a lot of work in the hospital, uh... As you were getting your training for nursing, and um, some people would say that we had a lot more hands-on contact than people do now in nursing training, nursing school when they get a bachelor's degree. I'm not sure I agree with that, but um, it was a good experience and. It was like the first time I was with someone who was dying. I worked alone on the uh, 11 to 7 shift as a nursing student and uh, someone died, was dying while I was on that shift. It was the first time I experienced being with someone that was dying and how comforting it was to them to have somebody with them. And there was a another um, older nurse who they did special duty at that time and so there was a fellow who was very well to do and he was able to afford to have a nurse 24 hours a day and this um, more experienced nurse was there with him and also helped to model for me how to do that so I've always appreciated having mentors that help you grow um, then after I finished the diploma program I didn't want to work I also I saw all these nurses who graduated from that program and stayed at the hospital that same hospital and I thought they kind of got uh, dug in their old never looked at anything new so I went to the hospital across town much to the distress of my the faculty at the nursing school but um, and then what I worked on was the pediatric geriatric ward which was pretty unique one wing was all older people and the other wing was all kids It was kind of a nice mix um, and I worked with this old nursing assistant <laughs> I thought she was really ancient she was probably 50 then um, <laughs> But um, we got along well, and, and it was a, a, a great experience. But then my, the director of the nursing program at the hospital kept calling me and saying, when are you going to go get your degree? When are you going to go get your degree? You need to be moving on. And uh, so I did uh, start going to the community college to work on courses then so I could uh, go forward and get my bachelor's degree. At the same time the veterans home which was uh, in Marshalltown as well and at that time was about a 500 bed facility and they were advertising for nurses at like 20 at $400 a month I was making $375 a month at Mercy. So I went to be interviewed, and um, actually there was a director of nursing position open, and I had t- the director of the program, Meridine, the nursing program, who is Meridine Moss, who later became my best friend. I would have never have believed that, but well, my best friend for over fifty years. But she um, said i should apply for that and i said well you know I, I don't think i'm qualified and she said well ask to get me as a consultant so i went for the interview and i said i'd really like to apply for the director of nursing position but uh, i would like to have a consultant who's prepared in nursing administration as well and i remember the the administrator was then called the commandant. Asked me, um, "Well, why would I want to come and work with a bunch of old people uh, when I was so young?" And I said, "Well, that's always been my favorite. I, I'd hated the emergency room. I wanted a, I, I wanted a position where there was, where you could have a relationship with the people. That's what I really liked about nursing." and uh, not the, not all the drama. <laughs> anyway, he ended up hiring me and I got, uh Moss ended up being my consultant in nursing administration. And uh, I was 24 at the time mm. when I started the position and I had just had uh, my daughter she was two months old when I went to work mm-hmm. and uh, it, it it went very well. I, we were able to get a sitter um, to come into the house. And she would come when I left in the morning for work and stay until my husband got home at night. And she was our, her name was Gail and she was our sitter until Neva was 10 years old and um, did summer vacations and stuff uh, after Neva went to school. So Neva was also able to have a very consistent, loving caregiver. Hmm. So then I ended up being, I first went as a nurse to the veterans home and then as director of nursing within the year. They used to call me the registered nut because um, they always said it took me longer to give a bath than anybody else or to do anything than anybody else but uh, again it's you know if you talk as you go along it just takes longer and, um, I loved it I really loved the contact uh, with older people and as director of nursing I I struggled with hiring. I I hired one guy five different times. <laughs> uh, so a lot of the people that applied for positions were alcoholics. And uh, so they would get in trouble and then uh, we'd have to let them go and then I would rehire them thinking they could have another chance. So uh, always I've kind of uh, leaned to Giving people opportunities. Um, well, it, so, it
0: sounds like you just always have seen the good in people and don't let their mistakes define them. And so you continue, it sounds like you just continue to, to give grace and, and, and another chance, which is a rare quality, I think.
1: Yeah, it, it's, um, well, sometimes it seems kind of like stupidity, but. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, and, and you taking a long time to do those things. It, it you know it sounds like it, you actually took a lot of care to do those things. To actually, you know, it wasn't just about the task. It was about the relationship that was formed while helping that that person. Right, right.
1: And and uh, you know, in some ways, my marriage was like that too. I thought um, at first it's just hard to overlook the other person's warts, and you want things the way you want them, you know, and my husband and I were married twenty nine years before he died, but I just thought we got to the point where we couldn't we couldn't we didn't see the warts anymore or they didn't matter anymore hmm. and then he died, which made me pretty mad. Hmm. but I've had such a good life since then as well, so um. I guess it's I think it's very true that light always follows darkness and so a death can be dark but then there's light again. After my husband died I moved to Iowa City from Marshalltown and Iowa City is where the University of Iowa is and I had finished up everything but my dissertation. towards my doctorate in nursing uh, when I moved to Iowa City. And so then, uh, after I moved to Iowa City, I started working on my dissertation and finally graduated with my doctorate in nursing in the same year that my daughter graduated with her doctorate in history. Wow, that's really special. Yeah, so. We were in a race. (laughs) After I left the Veterans Home, after I got my doctorate, then I began to teach at the University of Iowa, and I taught leadership and uh, gerontology, which is care of older persons. And then in 2000, about 2010, I took early retirement, so I taught just Um, A semester a year and so then I moved to uh, Boone so I'd be closer to my daughter and son-in-law and grandson and uh, that was a great thing my grandson was nine then when I moved to Boone and he spent every Friday night with me and we really established such a bond um, that has really carried us carried us through the teenage years when peers got to be a lot more important. He still contacted me, and now he just completed his first year in college. His name is Nelson, and uh, he calls me every day um, as he's heading home from the gym, he gives me a call and we talk while well, he gets back to the dorm, which has been a really wonderful blessing. And he's home this summer, and so he comes and we walks we walk together a couple of times a week. So it's still a wonderful blessing to have that relationship with uh, my grandson. Mm. Well,
0: and I have a, a funny uh, connection there, too, because when I was in college and I was dating um, Elise who is now my wife she was the babysitter uh, while she was staying on campus of a little baby named Nelson and I would come and hang out with her because we were together and uh, I would sometimes be there when when she was babysitting Nelson and so I would be with I would hang out with with him as a little baby and and sometimes even you know stroll him around campus (laughs) and this was probably probably about nine years before I, I even met you.
1: Right, uh, yeah. So
0: that's just kind of a neat connection. That Isn't it though? It's yes. so funny. Yeah. Well, um, oh, and I, one of the things that I, you know, learned from you is just this, this passion for uh, helping people realize what a, a gift and benefit there is for older and younger people to have uh, good relationships. Um, you know, rather than, you know, young people thinking old people are are outdated or for old people to think young people are you know um, unwise that the there's just such a a a gift for you know people to have relationships uh, with people who are different ages than them
1: right you know we were uh, when I was in Marshalltown um, a friend and I taught a sixth grade Sunday school class and part of our Sunday school class was to once a month go and visit at the veterans' home, um, older persons. And one of the one of the kids said, "I didn't know old people could play checkers," and he beat me. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, it was uh, so fun to see the kind of learning about one another, you know, and. And how often the older folks say, Well, all this talk about kids not being any good these days, that's not true. Mm. You know, that that they really have a lot to offer.
0: Wow. Yeah, and what was the story that you just told me as I was as I was setting up about you just ran into somebody recently?
1: Oh yeah, I I went to the eye doctor to have an eye exam and the young technician that did the initial assessment said well I remember you I took your gerontology class at App State when I was a student and I'll never forget that class it was my favorite class and he said um, one of the assignments was to visit an older person weekly and keep a, a diary and uh, he said that it made me appreciate older people and change my relationship with my grandma and I now go I have regular contact with my grandma, and I value that so much. So it was—I um, mean, he could remember the videos I, I had shared in the in the class, and where he sat. And wow. It was—it uh, was really uh, was heartwarming and humbling experience, and it reminds me that you never know the seeds you sow about love, where they're going to grow and take root and um, so that you just want to keep spreading the seeds, whether that's about the love of Jesus or the love of every person who's made in Jesus' image.
0: Yeah, and you've definitely continued to do that even outside of your your work. I know you've been so uh, involved in our uh, food pantry and also at the jail ministry and getting to know women in, in the jail ministry. Um, you know, I guess that that theme of seeing seeing people, uh, the good in them and, and also you know continuing to offer you know grace and, and second chances um, that that continues to be a, a part of, of what you have been doing and, and made a lot of relationships through the jail ministry.
1: Yes, you know, um, Krista Keller and I used to go weekly um, to the county jail here to visit the women and to do a devotional and pray um, together and a couple of things about that. First, most of those women had never, many of them had never prayed and many of them had never been prayed for in person so like one of the things we would do we would sit around the table and we would go around and say so what would you like us to pray for this week and 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 I would also list what we would like to be prayed for too and then we would uh, we would write those down and then we would pray together and we would say each person's name and pray for what they wanted to be prayed for. And that was such a a meaningful time, I think. And so one of the young women that was there for three years while we visited uh, the jail, and unfortunately during COVID now, we haven't been able to do that, but we did that for three years, so we did it every week. Mm. And uh, one of those women was young women was Lizzie, who has now been sentenced to 30 years in prison, and she's now in uh, Anson Prison, um, which is a a state prison, and uh, she's been there for two years at least, and. When someone's in prison, you can call them, or, she, or you can put money on their account, and they can call you. Hmm. So I would say she calls me almost daily wow. from prison, and we talk, and I usually read uh, the upper room devotion to her, or we talk about a particular Bible verse, and we talk about how she's doing, and... Um, how do you find joy when you're in a place like that mm-hmm. and one of the things that that has led to is I'm a on the editorial board of the Journal of Gerontological Nursing which is a, a journal that goes out to many different disciplines who are interested in care of older persons and um, I suggested that uh, we have a special issue on older persons in jail or persons in jail generally and their health and mental health and um, so you know when you recommend something that you often end up being the leader of it so then I was asked to be guest editor of that edition and it It'll come out August of next year. It takes a long time to get things into publication. But so I've been in touch with researchers across the country who do research with persons in jail. And so some really major themes are the kind of mental health, addiction, and then health issues. Um, And I've asked Lizzie who is the person that we met in the county jail that's now in the prison, to write an article about, for that journal, about what it feels like to be a prisoner. And uh, hopefully that'll be a really powerful way to get more people aware of the problems with within our justice system and, and uh, with the plight of people in jail and the coming and how difficult it is then to come out mm. um, and transition back to you know, community life
0: yeah that's a that's so great that you're able to kind of give her a voice and platform in a in a place where you know she's off in prison and easy to just forget she exists it makes her feel you know a valuable Part of society, even from behind bars. That's, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I
1: think she's she's really excited about that and has mm-hmm. been working on that.
0: That's great. You talked about finding joy, you know, helping helping her find joy through hardships, and you've mentioned, you know, experiencing the death of your husband. And um, can you also share with us about this this journey that you've been in on battling cancer?
1: Uh, yeah, it, actually. <laughs> I had uh, thyroid cancer when my daughter was about nine, mm. and it was uh, fortunately it's very treatable with radioactive iodine, and so I was treated then. And it's and you checked then at that point you checked annually to see if there was any recurrence, and it has recurred a couple of times, but they can then. Give me radioactive iodine again, and it's, and then I take thyroid, so it also, that's what keeps it from coming back. So, I was able to overcome thyroid cancer, and then uh, I think it's two years ago now. I went in to urgent care with uh, what I thought was a bad cold, and it turned out to be pneumonia. But when the x-ray came back. Um, the physician said, I, I think you have uh, lung cancer. And I, I did then pursue diagnosis and they did find lung cancer and um, I was treated then uh, through the cancer center with both chemo and radiation and um, They thought that was taken care of and then a year ago, I I don't know, the time kind of all runs together, but they had found metastasis to uh, both of my uh, shoulder bones. And since then, so then they treated that bone cancer, but then uh, now they found it in my they found it in my left hip, and now it's in my right hip. So it seems to be um, continuing the bone cancer, but I continue with treatment and um, have been able to, through radiation, uh, control the pain. And with chemo, hopefully, I'm going to have it taken care of. But it it's pretty relentless, and it just kind of... Uh, keeps coming back, but then you know, I think about, isn't that what God's love is like? Pretty relentless? and I've always felt like um, God has me, uh, God will take care of me. I think I have days when i um, have less hope mm-hmm. um maybe less hope of surviving on Earth. Um, And I want to hang on to see Nelson graduate from college and get married and have his own family. But then I think, well, I'll see that Hmm. no matter where I am. So that's kind of my, I guess, trip with cancer. (laughs)
0: Yeah, well, it it sounds like you... Your faith has just been so crucial to helping you, you know, in those moments of hopelessness, to hang on to something, to to know that you are held by the love of God, and um,
1: that's that's
0: really inspiring.
1: You know, um, another thing I always wondered about was why it mattered how many prayer- people prayed for you, because God knows what we need before we ask for it, so. Why does it matter how many people pray? He's not going to care anymore whether one person prays or or if no person prays. But I think what it does is it boys me up to know that these people care for me and are praying for me. And so I think it's not that God will hear us better. But it's that we know that other people love us and care for us enough to pray for us. So that's always very heartwarming.
0: I feel like you um, are a master at joy. <laughs> you just have figured out um, how to choose joy over and over again. So what kind of tips would you have for other people who maybe that doesn't um, have not learned how to do that as well?
1: Well, I think it's thinking about what's good about your life and not what's bad about your life. Um, I I think it's about looking outside and seeing God's creation everywhere. And actually that's God everywhere then. Mm -hmm. And, um... I think it's trying to concentrate on what's good and letting go of what's dark. Yeah. Although I have to say one of the things about being called St. Janet that <laughs> bothers me some <laughs> yeah. is that, that it seems like it denies that I have a dark side mm. and I know that I do. Mm. Uh, I know that we all do. And uh, so... I don't want to forget that um, because I think it's important to know that that's what we have to overcome and uh, not let that be what prevails in our lives.
0: And that keeps us humble, too. We can, we can relate to other people when we see them mess up if we remember that <laughs> we're not perfect either. That's right. It helps yeah. us have more grace for others uh, exactly. It keeps us humble
1: right well I have to say one more thing I guess that community is really important mm-hmm. that I can have a strong faith but it's made stronger by sharing that with others and having them share their faith with me and their passion for how they live their lives and what Faith Bridge has provided has been a wonderful community Of faith. And I think we've been able to sustain that um, even during COVID and um, through Zoom meetings and through book studies. And uh, uh, I'm in a creative community study that does that. So there are many, like small groups, are really the way that that can continue to be fostered and. You can feel a very big part of that, but it's been a big thrill to go back to church again too mm. and uh, to to be in community in that way as well. so Faith bridge has been very um, a very special community of faith for me
0: mm. and that's a good reminder too that you know we should not try to to live life alone, you know we we shouldn't uh, isolate ourselves and and um, you know part of part of finding joy is relying on other people yeah, and that, that right. actually is doesn't just bring joy for you but it also helps bring joy for other people and it's reciprocal
1: mhm yeah um, and if you're down getting a call from somebody or going on a zoom meeting really lifts the spirits and mm-hmm. Uh, I've been really fortunate to uh, renew this past six years, I guess, a relationship with uh, uh, a gentleman who now lives in Memphis who used to go to the same church I went to in Coralville, or Iowa City, Iowa. And uh, we were in a small group at that time together, and he was married. He and his wife were in the group. His wife has since died, and he has moved to Memphis to be with his son and called me and said that he was in the South now, maybe we could connect. so uh, we've um, established a wonderful relationship. we don't we haven't we've seen each other once in the past year. We talk every day on the phone and we do that very much for one another in terms of he's down, I can be up or we can talk about. What all the things we are grateful for, and how that overshadows those things that are adverse in our lives. So that's another big, uh, another underlying how important relationships are Hmm. to faith. I think. Yeah, that's great, and it's
0: also kind of neat that you you know can. Find someone, you know, and uh, would you consider uh, not to like make you put a label on your relationship or anything? But is that kind of like a boyfriend girlfriend type?
1: Oh yeah, I Uh, think it's yeah.
0: So you know, you're never right. It's never too late for something like that to happen, and um, it's really beautiful to see y'all, y'all's relationship.
1: Right, and that was like twenty nine years after my husband had died. So it's you know, (laughs) nothing's impossible. Light.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for just shining your light, um, mm-hmm. continuing to to be you, um, and you uh, you do so much for us. And and I know um, you know while you are battling uh, this cancer, uh, you've you've had to receive from from us from the from the church and people coming to take take care of you and and try to be here for you as much as we can but um that's that's the beauty of of community
1: it is you that's know. right yeah
0: well thank you so much
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm still figuring. Well thank you for tuning in to this episode of Still Figuring It Out. Janet has figured out a lot in her life and a lot of what she has figured out is just how to see the good, to be positive, to experience joy in the, the little things, to continue to give people more chances than they deserve. because. None of us really deserve more chances. That's why it's called grace. But what I see in Janet is the more grace she gives, the more graceful of a person she becomes, the more grace she seems to experience, and that uh, just continues to be multiplied. So that is what I pray and hope for you to experience this never-ending grace and love that continues to give you more chances to keep figuring it out, and with every failure, it's another chance to keep figuring it out again. Grace and peace.